0: Welcome to Innovators Unleashed, where we explore the minds of groundbreaking thinkers and creative problem solvers. Your host, innovation expert, Clinton Henry, will dive deep into the world of innovation and digital transformation, engaging with thought leaders from around the globe. He's your host, Clinton Henry. Today, we're talking to Gregory Birch. Greg is a sales and leadership coach with a fascinating background. A Tennessee native and son of military parents, Greg had an early desire to serve others. After college, Greg commissioned into the U.S. Army as an Army officer and spent 11 years serving his country. He deployed to both Afghanistan and and Iraq, led soldiers in combat, and was twice awarded the Bronze Star Medal for his actions overseas. When Greg talks about leadership, Smart people listen. Let's dive in, Gregory. I'm I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Uh, one of the things I'm excited to talk to you about is what did you learn about leadership
1: being an officer in the army? Yeah, man, that's a that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I I learned I think the first and foremost is that leadership starts with you, it starts with the individual. Um, there's there's three levels of leadership, um, three kind of, I guess, categories as you move along, as you progress And the first levels, being able to lead yourself. Um, because if you can't do the job or you can't lead yourself to be a good person, then no one's going to want to follow. Right. And, um, ultimately, what you're trying to do is tr- you, what you want to do is elevate yourself to a specific level. So, like if we were to rate our, everyone one to ten, right? If you're currently a six and you want to have a team of killers that are eight, nines, and tens, you can't lead them because you're not an eight, nine, or ten, uh, and they're not going to follow you. And uh, there's a there's a quote that I I learned early in the military, which was uh, basically that leadership if, it, it is all is all about influence. So If you cannot influence them to do something when you're there, then you're not leading them effectively because that's what we're doing is we're, we're leading people to do things that they normally wouldn't do. And if they already do them without your presence, then you're not their leader. So if it's an eight, nine or 10 and you're a six or seven, they're operating beyond you. You're not their leader. So it starts with you. And then once you, once you've done that, once you've started to increase your capabilities and your skills, what happens is naturally people become attracted to you. And it takes you to that second level. And the second level is where people start to follow you. And it's the difference between positional power and personal power. And positional power is just like, hey, I'm, I'm your boss. I'm your manager. I'm this, that, the other. And they're, and they're exercising through, um, basically, that the people will comply just because they hold a title. Whereas with personal power, they want to follow you. They 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 see who you are, and they want to be a part of that, and they want to follow you. But that doesn't happen until you raise yourself to a higher level and chase your potential. And you said that what's the third level? Because
0: you said there were three levels.
1: Yeah. So the three, So the third level is is basically duplicating yourself into another person. So, um, you know, and the second level is all about bringing people in. And starting to train them or or lead them by example by doing the job, showing them how you do it. And then the third level is when you do when you turn them into a leader and they start doing the same thing. And when you and that's how you can
0: view judge your success, right? Is your ability to turn people on your team into leaders, right? Absolutely. A lot of times we have leaders who don't want their people to grow or they're intimidated by. Uh, potentially being surpassed by one of their uh, the people on their team, and that's a that's a restrictive mindset that I think they that, that can hamper some people, and we don't. I don't see those people succeed a lot in the long term. Oh, yeah. And uh, you know, when you were leading in the military, and now you're focused on sales post military, are there different traits of effective military leadership versus sales leadership, or is it the same?
1: It's really the same. In fact, it's funny you would say that because I I've used sales and leadership as having the same strategies and tactics in order to be effective. Because both of them are influence. So with leadership, you're influencing people to buy into your ideas, your concepts, your vision. With sales, you're influencing people to buy your product, your services. It's the same exact tactics and strategies, uh, the way that I see it and the way that I execute it, which is which is through influence and just being a good person. And so, what I found for me in my sales career, and even my leadership career, was that when I put myself first, and I was trying to do what I wanted to do first, I wanted to—I was focused on the sale. I was focused on getting commission. I was focused on breaking a sales record. Um, I was focused on uh, achieving some great feat uh, to impress the general for some event we're doing. Right when I was all about what I wanted what ended up happening is it, it did never performed the way I wanted it to. But when I released that and I started putting my, all of my energy into helping other people be the best version of themselves. And I influenced them in a way. And, and that's people, a, a lot of people talk about influence and manipulation because they're very, they're very closely related is that I'm influence is where I can get you to do something that I know is going to benefit you. Whereas manipulation, I was going to get you something that's only going to benefit me right it doesn't benefit you whatsoever and so but but the strategies amongst them are very similar Um, it's just the intent behind it and so when people know that you're a genuinely good person and that you do care i i believe there's like it's almost like a vibration you put off it's just an energy it's very positive um they're more willing to work for you they're more willing to work because they're they know they're bettering themselves in the long run so ultimately what this comes down to is just being a good person If you're just an exceptionally good person, you'll happen to be also be good at sales. So happen to also be good at leadership. But it it really starts with the individual with this being a really good person. And so.
0: No, sorry, go ahead.
1: uh, I I, I was just saying that uh, um, that was what I learned in the military. And that's what I've executed since I've gotten out. And it's helped me to be very successful.
0: So I love the idea that the first step is working on yourself because you're building up who you're going to be. So people will want to follow you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being that sort of leader of men is, is an aspiration for a lot of people. Uh, There is a mental shift from being what, you know, we would consider like a boss Mm -hmm. changing that to being a coach yeah, and, and coaching up your people. Are there, you know, and you talk a lot about habits and the power of habits and, 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 do, any advice on how to, are there any habits around coaching that, that you can impart to our listeners that like, this has been very effective for me as I'm trying to build up the people around me?
1: Um, I, the best method that I've used has been very helpful is using the Socratic method when I talk to people and listening more. And, and so I spend my time, when I talk to any of my agents, when I started, in the, when I started doing this in the military, it, I saw a drastic shift. Is um, you, It's very difficult to convince people of things, right? If they don't feel it's their idea. They have to actually imagine that, that scenario within their head and feel like it's a right decision before they'll execute it. And the best way to do that is to ask them questions that puts them in that thought process to where they can imagine it. If you try to just tell them, they won't do that. And so when I shifted from telling people what needed to happen to asking better questions about their performance, what they wanted to achieve, how they were going to achieve it, you know, what are they doing currently in order to achieve it? What are they lacking in in their actions that they could do better, right? I'm asking them, they're telling me. And what's going to happen is that if they they'll, they'll, they will eventually come up with the answers, the more questions I ask and it'll come out with it. And then I can tie it back because it's building up their emotion. Right. And, and human beings, we make all of our decisions are emotion-based Well, all of our decisions are come from our limbic brain, our animal brain, and we back it up with our neocortex. With our that which which basically is, is our ability to process information, to speak, to, to analyze data, etc. but we don't it doesn't have an ability to make decisions. only our neocortex does, which it ha- handles all of our emotions. And so if you can get them to feel it first and then back it up with data and that's after you've already asked the questions, you've got them to answer, that means if once they ask a question, what happens is they think about it and they're like, oh well, you know, and they start to imagine it. And they imagine that scenario, and then they feel it. You, you, and and what you want to do is ask questions that put them to a specific point, almost in the future. That's that's placed, that's kind of planned by you, and have them Mm -hmm. imagine it so that they can feel that emotion. And then once they do, then once you've done that, they answer, and then you back it up with the data that supports that, and how you want to help, right? And how you can support. And so when you do that, and this is the same with sales, this is the exact same way that I sell. Is I ask a lot of questions of the client, understanding, hey, where are you at? Where do you want to be? What's the gap? And and you know, how would it feel to cross that gap, right? How would it feel to have this perfect vision of the future, right? And then and then I show my product or service as the bridge for that gap. Hey, here's here's how we get there, and I and I and I execute it in such a way where it's a no brainer, right? I do the same thing with leadership, right? And I, I have them tell me. And when you do that, they're more willing to execute the plan because it's their plan. Because they're the ones that answer those questions. They're the ones that came up with it. You're just supporting their 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 feelings, their thoughts, what they came up with.
0: It, it's it's fascinating because it, it's it's like you're mo- you're shifting from a problem solver mindset, right? Mm-hmm. And like I'm just I'm going to help you solve your problems to an empowering mindset where. I'm gonna empower you to solve your own problems by just asking you and prompting you questions and then allowing you to arrive at the appropriate decision.
1: Absolutely. So I, I, when I was deployed in Iraq, I had a, this fantastic major, his name is Major Sean Kramer. And um, he was the battalion XO and I was a company XO at the time. And so every single time I had a problem and I was, I was hitting a wall with some issue, I would go to him and say, sir, what's going, like, I got this issue, I need help. And I would go run through everything and he would just listen and he'd be like, Hey, Greg, if you tried this and he would just ask a question and it wouldn't be the answer, but it would lead me down the path to find the answer. And I'd be like, no, I didn't try that. He was like, go try that and dig around a little bit. See if you see what you come up with and let me know how that goes. Right. He wouldn't give me the answer, but he'd give me just enough that would put me on the path. Right. And I always remembered that because I really respected him and it taught me a lot, it taught me a hell of a lot. And so I've used that method ever since. Uh, I learned it, and that was back in 2009 um, when I was a young captain. I use that method ever since where if you know soldiers would come up to me and ask a question or they'd have problems, I'd be like, Well, have you tried this? What about this? What are your thoughts on doing this? You know, and and just asking those questions to get them to think through the problem themselves. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating.
0: So do you I mean, so one of the things that leaders do is we have to have difficult conversations at times with our, yeah. with our team, right? Do you have an approach for that? I mean, I some do. people skirt around it. Some guys love to touch the nerve. Like, how, how do you deal with having difficult conversations with people you're leading?
1: So I'm going to start with a story. I learned this when I was a cadet, and it's and it served me. This is back in 2005. This is back in 2005, so it's almost been two decades. It's almost been 20 years. Um, in 2005, I was a senior in college, and and uh, I was an ROTC, so I was RTC ROTC graduate. Um, coming out of Austin Peace university. So I got a scholarship now at Austin P we're at Clarksville, Tennessee it's right by Fort Campbell. So there's a huge, there's a huge population of prior military students that are getting that went in the military deployed did whatever were enlisted, decided to go what's called green to gold, where they go to become an officer from enlisted. We're, my graduating class was like 26 people that, that commissioned and out of 26, three of us were came from high school. 23 of us were, all prior enlisted, right? I was one of the, I was one of the high school kids. I did not do prior enlistment. So the good thing about it was that I had a lot of people that had experience that were teaching me things about what they learned as enlisted soldiers. The bad thing about it was that it's, it's kind of nerve wracking because as a senior and and we're about to graduate, we're about to get our commission. And so in the program, what they do is they have all the seniors Run the entire RTC program, and the and the ca- the cadre or the, or the teachers that we call them cadre. The cadre is there watching, and they're just like, "Well, what do you think? What do you want to do? Like, you're about to become you're about to become a lieutenant cadet, Birch. What do you want to do?" And so, and it's just kind of like to challenge us. So, I had this event where I was running a land navigation event. So I'm out land navigation, land navigation, and I'm giving a brief to all the juniors that are all about to be tested to go into their senior year. And I'm going over all the the operations order, right? And there was this one junior that was he was a he was a he was a clown, like a class clown style kind of kind of guy. But he was very efficient. he he knew his thing. He's great at PT. He knew his, he was very experienced. He had hit E seven, which is a sergeant first class. Um, and he had only done 10 years. And then he he got out and he was transitioning to become an officer. So he didn't like a little less than 10, I think it was like seven years. He got it like E seven and seven. He was he was very exceptional. So he um. He starts clowning on me while I'm giving this operations order, right? Now, I was a really timid, I was a really timid cadet, right? And, but I got upset, you know, I'm like, I'm the one running this event, right? And so I had an option at that point. I could go correct this guy who is much older than me. He's like six, seven years older than me. And he's got seven, eight years combat experience, E7. Like, and I'm just a little cadet, like I've, I've, I'm from high school, straight into college. And so I'm like, well, what do I do? And I went to my cadre and they were like, well, I don't know. What are you going to do? What are you supposed to do? And I was like, well, I guess I got to write a counseling statement. And so I had these little counseling statements, little papers. they were like these yellow pieces of paper. And I I don't know how I came up with it. It was like a stroke of genius at the time. But I wrote up and I was trying to lighten the blow because I didn't want to come off where he would be like, oh, whatever, kind of like make, make fun of me more. And so what I did and what I call is the shit sandwich technique. As I started off by talking about everything that he's done, that's been awesome. And I was like, Hey man, you're exceptional. You know, you do great at PT. You're acing all your tests. Uh, at every single event, you're at the top of the pack. You're going to do great when you go to a leadership development assessment course this summer. However, it is disrespectful for you to, do this do what you did to any of the seniors when we're running the program now i understand that you've been deployed i understand that you've you know you've done a lot of work you know and you have more experience than me but you have not been to to leadership development assessment course and i have and i made it through in the top 10 percent of all the cadets in the nation you have not so this is not the kind of behavior that's going to get you top marks at LDAC. And I want you to get top marks at LDAC. And I know you have the potential to get top marks at LDAC. So let's let's decide to take the higher route and chase your potential and be better. And he was like, All right, Roger that Roger that, sir. And he saluted me, he signed his counseling. Never had a problem with him again. And the cadre, one of the cadre members were like, that was really good. Like you did a really good job on that, and I was like, I don't know what I came where that came out from. I just like was thinking about. It. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start with something good. I'm gonna tell him what it is in the middle, like he needs a fix. I'm gonna end with something good, like a potentially high future. And ever since then, I've always used that technique, and it's never failed me. So, I mean, that's a great answer. So the the the,
0: the sandwich technique you talked about is that they refer to it in psychology as the positivity sandwich. And it's literally positive, corrective action, positive. And you just, and, and so that, that approach that you figured out like on your own, like, like some, some genius kid or like so, some kid in the middle of India who just writes all algebra out without ever talking to anybody is yeah. awesome. It just shows that you have like this innate leadership ability of like, okay, I want him to read this message. I want it to get through what would work on me this would be effective. And then just to do that all at the drop of a hat. I mean, first off, it shows why you were qualified to be where you were and explains your entire career and bronze stars and, and everything else. But yeah, that's, that's an amazingly intuitive thing for effectively a high school senior just to to pull out. That's a really cool story, man.
1: Yeah. I appreciate it.
0: Oh, that's great. Look, um, you know, it, you know, in your mind, are there things that, we could be doing every day and and you talk a lot about habits as far as like working out and stuff like that and then you're very passionate about that um you know for for our leaders who want to be more regimented and how they uh how they approach their lives because i think i think that bleeds over into leadership right uh and we talked a little bit about habits earlier but like what what's sort of your advice to someone looking to 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 you know let's say they're an eight or a nine but they want to be a ten who are some tens that they can follow or some like some ten level ideas that can get them to the next level
1: oh yeah so um so in terms of habits uh i would be reading every single day like that, that's one of the things i non-negotiable that, that's changed my life has changed my leadership has changed my sales ability that's changed every i mean every area of life um it helps you with conceptualization skills it helps you with problem solving it helps you with your ability to even uh, um your imagination helps with your imagination as well and your creativity. And so um, reading and not listening to an audiobook, but actually reading, physically reading. And like I do active reading. So like as I read, I, actually, I also take notes and I write out things that I'm taking away, even if it's like one nugget every day. So I have a minimum amount that I read every day. Um, a minimum, I'm going to read 20 pages a day, but sometimes I read like 40. So it doesn't take very long. The more you read, the better you get. Um, I, I would also recommend writing every day. So communication is probably the most important skill that anyone can have in terms of uh, influence because both both verbal and written communication is how you're gonna be able to influence people and that's what sales and leadership is all about. So uh, if you can't effectively write, you're not gonna be able to effectively influence people through writing and reading is gonna help with your vernacular as well and your vocabulary so that you can influence people uh, verbally whenever you're speaking with them. So. Those are the two biggest skills I think that are lost on people, and a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I read, but it's like, do you read every single day, every single day, and write every day? That's the difference, and there's something magical that happens when you're consistent with it and you do it day in and day out for months, years, right? You you, you just you start to expand your mind. Um, some of the leaders that I follow, uh, it depends on like who who what their what their uh, industry is or like what they're really looking for, but um, I'm a huge Simon Sinek fan. I, mm-hmm. love, I love Simon Sinek. Uh, I, I love his concepts, his ideas. he's like my spirit animal. Um, and then I follow people like Ed Milet, uh Andy Forsella. Um, but there's so many there are so many uh, uh, John Maxwell. so John Maxwell's got a lot of great leadership books and they're very simple. They're usually they're pretty short to read so mm-hmm. you get through it so you can get a lot of nuggets that you can take away in order to apply to your business or your, or your life, really. So that's, I I think you left one
0: off. I think we should all be following you and uh, your Instagram (laughs) will be definitely be in the show notes. I think uh, I learned a ton today, dude. This was, this was awesome. Uh, I really want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, I know our listeners learned a lot, so uh, looking forward to chatting with, with you again, but thanks for the time. Really appreciate it.
1: Hey, it's my pleasure. And for those of you listening, make sure you do Clinton a favor and you just share this content because he's putting out great content. I'm sure he's doing it for free. And so the best thing that you can do is you if you get any value from any of his shows is that you share it with somebody else that can also get value from it because it helps his audience grow. It helps his show grow and it just overall spreads more of the message. So, Couldn't have said it better myself.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. Man. That's it for today's episode of Innovators Unleashed. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review and share the podcast with others. Follow your host on social media at The Clinton Henry or visit him on the web at www.clintonhenry.com. Until next time.